Hey guys, it's me, Matthew Freeman, and I'm back for the second episode of The Matthew Freeman Show. Before I get started today, I just really wanted to say thank you. I'm humbled um, by the support that I've seen from everybody out there. Um, I did not anticipate the type of response that I'm getting from launching my own podcast. It's been overwhelming. Um, I'm just beaming with gratitude. I'm super stoked uh, to have each and every one of you that take the time out of your day to listen, listening to what it is I have to say. There's a million things you could be doing and for you to take 15 or 20 minutes of your day to sit down and say, what does Matt have to say today? To take a listen like that, it's absolutely humbling. So before I get started today, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening and passing it along to friends that you think it might be helpful for. I had an outline for the entire season and in typical Matthew Freeman fashion, I am uh, not following exactly what I had planned Today, in the famous last words, don't have to be famous, that is the title, I want to share with you an event that occurred in my life that probably was one of the single hardest things I ever had to deal with emotionally. Um, Yeah, it's probably in my, you know, top two. There's been plenty, but it's probably in my top two. But before I really like dive into the meat of it, I wanted to take a moment to kind of give you some background of who I am um, so that the story means a little something. So I was born August 2nd, 1978 in a town called Modesto, California to Rex Freeman and Kathy Ferry at the time, but these two individuals, you know, came together, met, both from extremely small uh, agricultural towns, and, you know, there was a, my, my father pursued my mom, he would go into IHOP, and she would wait on him, and uh, he, like, pursued her, you know, and in that fashion, and they went on some dates, and you know, lo and behold, eventually they had me. And uh, from the very beginning, it was interesting because I had a sister. Sister was eight years older than me, Wendy, a beautiful woman. You know, her thing was, I don't want a brother. I don't want a brother. Um, but, you know, I was there and uh, we end up becoming super close. And, and to this day, you know, even if we don't see each other for a while, uh, we still remain, you know, close and and care a lot about each other. And I, I feel strongly that she is glad I came along at this point. But we lived in, you know, Modesto, California, known for almonds, walnuts, anything agriculture. Um, and I like to say known. Some people will say Modesto. What is Modesto? Um, but ultimately... 
you know, I grew up out there just for about the first eight months of my life anyways. Um, at about eight months old, I was actually uh, bit by a spider. They suspect a brown recluse. And I was rushed to the hospital. Half the side of my head was uh, eroding. In my family, or at least, you know, from my mom's point of view, it's like, uh, let's just give it some time and see if it goes away. Uh, it doesn't seem to be getting better. Eh, let's give it a few more days. Uh, it doesn't seem to be getting better. Let's give it a few more days. And then finally, I guess, uh, what she explains, it went from like the size of a, you know, a dime to a nickel to a quarter. And all of a sudden it was like golf ball size. And then it was starting to become a little bit bigger. And she's like, I should probably take them in. Well, lo and behold, it was eroding half my head. And uh, I had 106 degree temperature at eight months old. They had to pack me down with ice and uh, try to get my fever to come down quite a bit. And they said to my mom, if you would have waited any longer, we don't think your son would have made it. Interesting. So my family and I, we moved on to Santa Rosa, California. And, and you know, I want to make sure that I honor the 20 minute time cap. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit, but we moved moved to Santa Rosa, my sister, my mom, and my, my dad. And uh, from what I understood, we had, you know, this great, um, you know, American family. You know, we lived in a home. Um, my dad worked. He worked in the as a produce manager. My mom was waited tables. You know, my sister at the time was going to elementary school. And, you know, we would often go to Rio Vista and take family fishing trips and you know there was definitely some dysfunction that was noticeable, but not not entirely. Um, but the moral to today to uh, kind of get to the point of what I want to discuss today was I really looked up to my father. My father was, you know, a son's hero. We would uh, go out back and shoot the BB gun. We built a train set together. You know, we would play catch and. And, and different things like that. Um, he taught me how to fish, you know, and when we'd go for rides, he never really withheld anything, you know. He talked as though I was an adult from the day that I was, you know, that I can remember, you know. He would he would just speak to me in a manner that um, I just felt respected. But the one thing that I, I always wanted from my dad was, like, I wanted his full adoration and you know fast forwarding a little uh, my dad had a problem he was a heroin addict and so as I began to get older and as the you know fights occurred and you know my mom would sneak us out in the middle of the night and we'd go stay the night at a friend's house for safety purposes um, I started to realize there was there was more going on than just this awesome American family and I'm going to pause here for a moment. I want you to understand that I am not going to try to make this story sound like I rose out of the ashes or that my sister rose out of the ashes and we fought adversity. Each and every individual out there has their story and the difficulty lies in the eyes of the beholder. So 
This is not some story I'm telling for comparison. I'm not going to try to make it more than it was so that I sound like I overcame something huge. The reality is what I want to share today was huge to me. I, I overcame it. It really changed the direction of my life in a lot of ways. And I want to share that with you. I'm not hoping to be better than or worse than or, you know, have an argument over who had it worse. The reality is, again, like, depending on how we view things, the smallest thing, and I'm reluctant to even use the word smallest, what we perceive as something maybe easy to tackle can be extremely difficult for another. So anyways, um, I started to, to realize that my, my dad had a problem and eventually uh, he sat me down and he said, son, I have a d- drug problem and your mom and I are not going to be together anymore. So that started a series of my mom driving me to rehab, to rehab, to rehab, you know, and, and every time she she never, ever once said a bad word about my father, which is like to this day, really amazing. Um, but we would go. I went to more NA and, and AA meetings than I could recollect at a young age. Uh, my time with my father at a young age was the two hours they gave us to leave Menlo and jam over to Stanford and run around the campus and maybe have lunch and go back and drop him back off, you know. And he was in and out of rehab and in and out of rehab. But I still, I just, man, I loved him so much. And I just wanted him to approve of me. I just wanted him to say good job, you know. I would tell him when my games are and and hope that he would come. Every sporting event that I did, basketball, football, you know, band, baseball, wrestling, track, he always had the schedule. My mom always made sure he had the schedule. And, you know, I'd always look and look and look and look and wait for him to be there. And I'm just telling you guys all this because I, I really want to put in perspective how much, like, I just wanted my father's approval. I, I, I realize it now. Um, then it just, you know, my mom was always there. So I just always thought maybe my, my dad should be there, you know. And... uh then he finally got sober and you know over those sober years he built a business and he had a half a million dollar a year landscape business was doing pretty well was taking care of my grandparents he was great with my children my son absolutely adored papa rex you know he was he was great with my children and i'm sure i'm going to tell you more about this relationship over time, but uh, for the sake of getting to the point today at 11 minutes and 10 seconds, that's how quickly I get to a point. After all the years of seeking my father's approval and seeing moments where I, I like just knew that maybe he was proud of me, you know, and then all of a sudden there would be another action. And I'd be like, well, maybe he's not. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. My dad eventually relapsed. You know, after his mother died, he relapsed. And we went from talking daily. It was never more than like a minute or two. That's about 
the the length of time my dad had available in his emotional bandwidth, you know. Um, Hi, son. How you doing? Good. Hope you have a good day. Talk to you later. Um, His emotional bandwidth was was rather short, you know, and he had a lot of stuff that he was dealing with. But uh, then we stopped talking for a while, for quite some time. The conversations changed, and I just, he never said it, but I I knew that he relapsed. So I had to start telling my children, you know, we're not going to Papa's because he's sick. Well, when's he not going to be sick? I don't really know. I don't know when we're going to head out there. He's not feeling good. All, you know, just intuition, but also experience. You know, it's like uh, I'd been there before. I, I've... I'd seen it before, even if I was young, I I knew what it was like when someone withdraws and what could be going on. And then one day, which is the bulk of the conversation that I wanted to touch upon, I get a phone call from him and I'm, I'm unable to answer. So he leaves a message. And I decide to check the message at one point that day and it went something like, Hey, Matt, this is Dad. I'm going away. I'm going far away for a long, long, long time. And you're never going to see me again. But I just wanted to tell you before I left that I'm extremely, extremely, extremely disappointed in you. And then there was a dial tone. That would have been the last time I ever heard my dad's voice. He died not too long later. Obviously, that's where he was going and he knew it. And I, I, I'm going to be honest. It crushed me because after so many years of seeking his approval, the famous last words were I don't approve of you. I'm I'm extremely disappointed. And as someone who takes things personal, I took that personal. <laughs> you know, I knew in my heart of hearts that when I went through divorce, he had, he had loved Nicole the kids' mothers. He loved her a lot. And uh, when I went through divorce, he was really upset with me. Like things changed at, at that point. And I, I did feel his disappointment. You know, and again, I, I can't express, I have pictures that, you know, from the youngest of age that I've shared where they're like, I'm literally standing next to my dad, looking up at him, looking up to him. I always just, and he was wonderful to me. He was charismatic. Uh, He had a great personality. He could make anyone laugh. He knew how to make people feel good. Um, He just, 
also had a problem. And that problem you know, got in the way of a lot of things. But going back to the title of the podcast, which is the, the famous last words don't have to be famous. You know, I, I spent a lot of time working on those words and healing from those words and and trying to figure out like what that message meant and and you know what could I have done better and what could I have done differently and you know it, it made me flash back to uh, when I graduated from college and I was so excited because I was the first one in my family to ever graduate college and he was there at the college graduation with my grandparents and when I came out to greet him the first thing he said is man son you look fat in your gown. I was like, man, what do I got to do? Like, what do I got to do? I was the first to graduate college. I, you know, I went to, a, I got great grades in high school and I was a, I was a decent athlete. Um, I've been a good person. Like, I definitely made mistakes along the way, but like overall, I, th- I thought I was, you know, on the right track, but, you know, these flashbacks, every time I listened to that message, I'd flash back to all the times he expressed disappointment. But the famous last words don't have to be famous, and here's what I mean by that. First and foremost, I understood that those words that he said to me were a direct representation of how he felt about himself. It was his way of communicating to himself and to everybody else, his level of disappointment and his own actions. He projected how he was feeling about himself and his life, his regret from his mistakes that caused the divorce between my mother and him. And he never let that go. You know, the graduation was a sign of that because my mom was there with her new husband and it was a reflection of his failure. So when he hurt, he did what everyone else does. Hurt people hurt people, you know. And when you're hurting that bad, you push away the people that you know care about you the most often. Because you don't want to hurt them anymore. And that message was a representation of him hurting and him pushing away the people that he cared about most. I can honestly tell you today that I know my dad was proud of me. I know that my dad loved me. I know that I was a reflection of his failure sometimes when he saw me. And I think sometimes when he saw me and I was doing really well, he felt like he couldn't take ownership in that and that it was because of my mom and and not because of him and and there was some guilt there you know and some of that guilt got projected onto me you know again hurt people hurt people so those famous last words don't have to be famous because I've actually spent a lot of time and what you can do is spend a lot of time remembering the the good things remembering what was amazing and and if there wasn't you just don't simply have to repeat those last words in your head over and over again and accept them as 
your truth or truth to you. I know that sounds like I'm I'm minimizing it and making it sound simple. There was a lot of work involved in understanding that, but um you know, all the hurt that I experienced from that message and I kept it on my phone for so long before I deleted it. Like who would think that you would listen to the same message over and over and over again hoping for a different result, you know, like the definition of insanity. I would I would listen to it and I would listen to it and I was hoping it would change or but what changed for me was the decision the decision that I made to understand that my dad was hurt and hurt people hurt people and that that expression wasn't a representation of how he felt about me but how he felt about himself and that allowed me to sit back and just literally be sad for him, you know, that that he had to pass away alone like that. And it no longer hurt me in the manner that it did in the beginning. I just, I grew from it. And I want to share with you guys that we can, we can grow from these moments. We can choose to, re, you know, look at things how we want to look at them. Maybe I'm completely fooling myself, but it is working because I choose to look at it from this perspective. I always wanted his validation and approval, which was a fault in me because I shouldn't need validation and approval from others to feel good about myself. So that was one. And two, there were many events along the way that showed how much he cared about me in his own way. And I can't choose to to miss those. So you can't choose to miss the good things to only choose to stare at the bad things. I spent a lot of time, you know, highlighting the bad things. You know, I'll probably share more about how that occurred with me and and some other places also. And I think it was a culmination of events that helped me understand this. But listen, famous last words don't have to be famous. I'm not honoring your time. I'm a little bit past and I just so I just want to kind of conclude with no matter how much that hurt those words, words are just words and you have to really put yourself in the shoes of the other person and and try to understand what frame of mind they were in when they said them. And then be confident enough in yourself in the the behaviors that you exhibited in exercising whatever demons you might have in regards to that relationship, to stand firm in, in knowing that you did your very best. I chased them my whole life, and now I get to live with them every day. And there's so much of him in me, there's so much of him in my son. <laughs> And I choose to see the good. Don't allow someone else's words that they might say in a moment of, of weakness or, or from a wrong position to impact your life so greatly that you're minimized. Let's stand tall and let's stand firm. But let's understand the perspective. Let's understand the position
let's understand our position and where I was at when I actually received the phone call. I wasn't in a good place, so it got worse. And kind of sit back and not analyze just the singularity of the event, but understand what was said in that event as a whole, a global picture. So in summary, try not to get hyper-focused on the singularity of an event, but to offer yourself the global perspective and the global picture so that you have a greater understanding of where it came from. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to me as I, I bear some, some stories. I promise you in the season we're going to get into some more practical stuff like nutrition and exercise. But I wanted you guys to kind of know a little bit about me and where I came from before we continued on. If you guys, uh, this kind of sounds weird for me to say because I've heard it so many times, but you know, if you like the show, uh, if you can give me a, a rating on iTunes, that'll that'll help others see the show. But also, if you if you like the show, man, I'd I'd love to just get a private message from you and and you tell me what you like about it. And I really would really would like to hear what do you guys want to learn about? What do you want to hear? Send me those messages as well, so I have some more topics to talk on in the future. Like I said, I will be having guests. I apologize for going a little extra in in length. This one was a a deep one for me. But uh, thank you again for tuning in. And next week we'll be on to the next topic. You guys have a wonderful day. Once again, Matthew Freeman, The Matthew Freeman Show.